This is Bumping Into, where we have interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. Hello everyone, I'm Francis Populin and welcome to another special episode of Bumping Into. Today, I have the privilege of hosting the brilliant mind of Professor Thomas Seyfried. We embark on a journey into the realm of keto versus cancer, exploring the revolutionary connections between the ketogenic diet and its potential impact on cancer treatment and prevention. As you will hear, Professor Seyfried has been extensively researching and conducting trials with how keto and fasting can be a tool against many diseases, and his research and studies are showing exceptional results. We'll also go into the challenges of trying to explain his findings to many other doctors, researchers and other medical associations who fear to look outside their own environment or existing body of knowledge. They say nothing good comes without change and often change is first met with resistance and this story goes right into the heart of that process. Get ready for an eye-opening conversation that could reshape your perspective on health and well-being as we deep dive into the fascinating world of keto versus cancer. Is this Francis? Can you hear me? I've got you. How are you going? Hey, what time is it over there? It's 6.30 in the morning, and because oh it's winter, God. it's still dark. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's, a, it's cold down there, huh? No, no, we're, we're, we're hot. Well, when I say hot, it's, it, we would say it's cold because up in Queensland, it's the hotter part of the, of Australia, but it's probably, oh, I can tell you what it is. Oh, well, it is cold. It's 12 degrees. So that's pretty uh, uh, cold for us, but it'll get up, you know, it'll, it'll sit up in the, in the low twenties. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But for us Queenslanders, we, we call that cold. If you're in Melbourne where, or Sydney, you're, it's not. You're, in, you're in Queensland. Now, where, where, is that North of uh, Sydney or South? North. North, okay. Yeah. Well, what I, what I wanted to do with yourself, if if you're up for it, is I wanted to take sort of a a, a meandering stroll through the process of your work, um, going from, I suppose, talking about cancer at a, at a basic level, what it is, and the difference between, um, you know, the the metabolic disease mindset and the mitochondrial disease mindset, just just collecting some of those points um, as a summary in, on a basic level and then go into, I've got a few questions around the diet, um, around the keto stuff as well that I really wanted to narrow in on with you and, and you know, talk about prevention diet versus trying to have a cure diet, all those sort of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, um, you know, well, cancer has been, has been, has been with us uh, uh, for, 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 well, what, I think Sid Mukherjee uh, wrote the book, The Emperor of All Maladies, uh, um, a, a, Pulitzer, a Pulitzer Prize winning summary of uh, cancer goes back, um, you know, centuries on this. But but it was very rare. Cancer is 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 quite rare um, in uh, Aboriginal uh, folks. As a matter as a matter of fact, there's a big book that will be coming out um Tim Noakes out of uh, South South Africa uh, put together a big book. We have a chat. We have a chapter in there as well, and and he looked at cancer in in Aboriginal populations, which would be your Abor- your Aborigines. Um, then you have the Inuits from the cold temperatures in Canada and the United States, and then you have these African tribes, and in all of these cases, uh, cancer was extremely rare. 
in these tribes that lived according to their ways. So it was only in the 20th century that cancer started to explode. Um, after the Second World War, uh, a lot of people were smokers, you know, in, yeah. in the military, and they just smoked a lot. And every people knew that if you smoked a lot, uh, there was a good chance that you would get lung cancer or some other kinds of cancers. Um, but it didn't really start to explode more until we started to relax or modify certain dietary uh, uh, conditions. That is the introduction of high fructose corn syrup and a variety of other highly processed carbohydrates into the food source uh, along, along with more convenience in lifestyle. Um, automobiles, um, a lot of a lot of devices, washing machines, you know, a lot of things that would require us to expend energy. Uh, we, we our technology allowed us to build better cars, better convenience things. Um, you know, you, at one time you used to have to get up off your ass and change the channel on a <laughs> on a television. Now everybody's got a remote. You don't even have to unass the couch. Um, you know. Uh, you have you have fast foods that are now you don't even have to unask the car. Somebody hands you food through the window. Yeah. Um, you're sitting in traffic. Um, we're doing we're doing a lot less action. We have a lot more highly processed carbohydrates in the diet. We're getting a worldwide obesity. The Americans probably had it had it uh, experienced the first wave of this mainly because we developed all these conveniences a lot faster than everybody else did. But now they're now they're spreading through all societies because it's easier uh, to do these things. Fast food stores. I mean, when I was a kid, going out for McDonald's hamburger was like a like a great event. It was yeah. like very rare would you go out maybe once every four or five months. It was a birthday treat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it was like a treat. Yeah. Now it's become like part of the meals. And it's not only McDonald's, it's Burger King and every other kind of a taco bells and you know and and it was even surprising that in mexico where you can get the you know really good mexican food they opened up a taco bell and all the mexicans are like standing in line to get a taco oh, bell wow i mean <laughs> 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 so you tell me what's going on with wrong with this picture oh right? wow jeez you know, i wouldn't have, i would have thought they would have shunned it and been like that's me not too. real yeah. i thought i would have oh absolutely i thought they was they would like kind of turn their back on it yeah you know <laughs> But uh, no, 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 they're stamp making a stampede to Taco Bell, you know, so the the foods are so tasty and the foods have been engineered to they, they have food technology and science guys working on these things all the time. They they know what we would like to eat. And it's all in our evolutionary past. I mean, we existed on the planet as a species, you know, for for eons, about two and a half million years or something like that. And we never had access yeah. to uh, really high processed foods. Um, you know, where were you going to get high processed carbohydrates during the Paleolithic period? Maybe yeah. a ripe fruit here and there. Uh, right. I mean, and, and seasoning too. It wouldn't have been available yes. all year round. No, no, it was not available. And now all of a sudden our technology has engineered all of these foods to be available all the time and cheap at cheap prices and in abundance. And what do you think the outcome is going to be? Uh, dementia, cancer, obesity, type two diabetes. You're going to go right through the list 
It's all the same, man. It's all yeah. so. Oh, well, how come this guy is? He's really obese. He gets cancer. This other guy's really obese. He gets type two diabetes. Some people get type two diabetes and cancer at the same time. Macular degeneration, dementia. I mean, you put it all together, and all of these chronic diseases are the result of uh, a change in diet and lifestyle from the the eons that we when we existed on the planet in a very different environment. So we put ourselves in a new environment. We got cancer now. And everybody's going wild about cancer. You know, oh, God, it's going to overtake heart disease. You know, yeah. it's it's all related to our diet and lifestyle. Very few genes that predispose us uh, to these kind of conditions, like Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, there are about there are about three or four genes that that if you have those genes expressed, uh, you have a very high probability of getting Alzheimer's disease. But what they? What about all the other guys that are suffering from Alzheimer's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're coming diet and lifestyle issues. Yeah, I mean, your brain is getting blown out by all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was going to be one of my questions. Is with you hear people say that you've got this marker that means you're more subjectable to a type of cancer, if it's a breast cancer yeah. or whatever. So, is is it? Would it be true to say that if everything else is correct, your diet is correct, your lifestyle is correct, that that marker would probably should take second preference, not that it's forefront of mind because you've got a healthy cellular structure that you probably would be fine rather than being on the the more worrisome part of it. Yeah. Well, you know, the chimpanzee has the very same structure of BRCA1, the breast cancer gene that we do. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, cause they're evolutionarily almost the same. They're 98.8 or 9% similar to us in gene and protein sequence. And I wrote about that. And uh, there's never been a documented case of breast cancer in a female chimpanzee. So uh, wow. yet they have, so what's going on with the chimps? How come they don't have breast cancer and how come they don't have the same kinds of cancers and things they're eating the diet, their diet and lifestyle today in the zoos and in the wild is the same as it was when they first demarcated from us as from our common ancestor. So uh, um, they're, they're in their own, they have never been subjected to a new diet and lifestyle. Like, like we have, like, as I was saying to other people uh, just today, when I visited the San Diego zoo, uh, a world famous zoo, and I looked at these bonobos and, and, and orangutans and, and I and I, I said to the veterinarian there, I said, you know, you guys put a very special diet for these bonobos. They're kind of a pygmy chimpanzee kind of thing, and uh, orangutans and things. And I said, um, they never get, they know we never see cancer. So I said, do you ever feed them jelly donuts and pizza and Taco <laughs> Bell? Oh, they said, oh no, that's animal cruelty. That would be yeah. animal cruelty. The hell, we're the yeah. same as the damn chimpanzee genetically. And and uh, I said, why don't you do that? And let's see what happens to the chimp. Um, I bet you, he said, well, we can't, we're not allowed. It would, there would be an outcry yeah. from all these animal lovers. Oh, you can't do that to the chimp. Yeah, well, the guy's screaming with a big jelly donut in his hand, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, uh, give me a break here. You really want to see what we're doing to ourselves. You got to take our closest relatives and you got to raise this young little chimpanzee on this, the same crap that we eat. And then uh, and don't happens. tell me they don't like it. They love this stuff. You give oh, a chimpanzee yeah. a jelly-filled donut, he's going to start shaking and be all excited. They'll start getting into fights as who's going to grab the donut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yet we just go down to the store and we can buy a whole box of these things. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. And self-discipline is, is typically low 
So when there's Yo. a whole box to be consumed, it gets consumed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you gave the box of donuts to the chimpanzee, he would consume the whole box himself. <laughs> and, and probably he, get sick, fat, and demented. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it makes sense when you, when you break it down like that. If that's, if yeah. that's what you're going to do to yourself. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and everybody fears, you know, oh, we got to be our genes. Now the big crazy thing in this country is that uh, obesity is a genetic disease. Uh, yeah, the genes are doing exactly what they they evolved to do: store energy. You know, we were a starving species. We we are we have the most efficient energy system to f- f- function on the lowest amount of food intake over longer period. We evolved as a starving species. Now all of a sudden, you put us into an environment where we have uh, highly processed carbohydrates. It's going to be stored as fat. You know, get, yeah. get and we're we're and you can't blame it on our genes. If it weren't for our genes, we wouldn't be able to. We wouldn't be here as a species today. So yeah. uh, um, we learned how to starve, and now we're in an environment where we have all of the 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 uh, energy that we were always seeking in massive abundance, and it's putting us at risk for all these chronic diseases, cancer included. I mean, this is not a mystery. If you want to, the problem is people don't understand evolutionary biology. And this is like a mystery to so many people. They don't understand biological evolution. If they did, did, we wouldn't have all of these crazy things. So uh, the obesity epidemic is linked now to cancer. Okay, Um, if people really wanted to prevent cancer and be concerned about preventing cancer and diabetes, you wouldn't see fat people. People would say, oh, my God, if I eat this stuff, I'm going to put myself at risk for diabetes, dementia. Uh, heart disease, cancer, and all this other stuff. Well, nobody gives a shit. If yeah, they did, yeah. you wouldn't be you wouldn't be seeing this. Yeah. So, uh, so don't talk to me about prevention. We can easily know how to prevent cancer. The problem is nobody wants to do it. So, yeah. the, you, you know, and I say nobody. I mean, of course, there are people that are v- very conscious about all this stuff. But as a majority, when, yeah, yeah. Now, if you have an obesity epidemic, what does that mean? Yeah. That means you have an obesity. That means an obesity puts you at risk for diabetes and cancer. And you're and now let's see. Oh, let's let's shoot ourselves up with Ozampic to lose weight and reduce. I mean, so I can look good. I mean, this is nuts. Yeah. It, it, we but we we have no one to blame but ourselves for all this crazy stuff. The the it's yeah. You've all seen the photos where they'll have a photo of a group of people on the beach in 1970, and then a group yeah. of people on the beach now. Yeah. And, there's virtually there might be everyone in the seventies was thin, and now yeah. you look at it and it's it's uh, it's spot the thin person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know people leave, people leave potholes when they're walking down the street now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're doing it to ourselves, and now they want a quick fix, right? Yeah. Oh, I want a quick fix for diabetes. I want a quick fix for cancer. You know, I want a quick quick fix for dementia. You know, we're going to and the pharmaceutical companies are jumping in, uh, uh, claiming to provide quick fixes for all this stuff. You know, so we hear it advertised on the evening news about uh, every kind of a drug that's going to reduce your obesity, reduce your diabetes, manage your cancer, blah, blah, all this kind of stuff. And people say, oh, that's what I want. I want that drug. I, not to say I, I can't stop eating uh, uh, all the fast foods. So now I'm going to go out and take this little uh, injection into my stomach with o- Ozampic. It makes me lose weight. Uh, and, and as soon as I stop injecting myself, now I'm getting fat again. So uh, yeah, it's nuts. We're, not, it we're a crazy species, man. We're, we're kind of a crazy group of people. 
we, a crazy we are species. a crazy species. We are, we are, we definitely are. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, <laughs> and what worries me, and it's it's something that we see, and I'm sure you hear it too. Is I mean, in my mind, and I don't, I'm no not connected to the medical profession at all, but it seems at its core that cancer is so wrong. If you've got it, it's it's something is wrong. It's not naturally, it shouldn't exist. You know, there's been a something that's happened to make something so bad occur, but yet you hear the comment that. Um, I heard it on one of the breakfast morning shows we have over here where they were saying, yeah, c- cancer is going up every year, but, but, but what we need to focus on is the survival rates of also going up every year. And it's like, hang on, but yeah. we've just brushed over that something really wrong is happening oh. to create the problem. And we're just celebrate popping the champagne that we can, we can push out the survival rates, but no one's worried about what the first part of that comment was. No. I find that bizarre. And the survival rates are not that good either. It's not like uh, in, in glioblastoma where we work heavy. It hasn't. It has. There's no advance in a hundred years. One hundred oh. years, no advance. Oh. Imagine that. A hundred years. And there's been I looked no at change. Data. Yeah. And and well, this, the treatments are killing most of the patients. That's another cr- crazy. You get, it's bad enough to have the tumor. It's bad. It's even worse to have somebody irradiate your brain to make you healthy. It, it explodes the tumor, makes it grow grow even faster. I published all these papers on it. Everybody seems to ignore it. I don't know what's going on, but 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 you're right. I mean, uh, the cancer survival uh, paper was published, and I use it in my classes. Uh, of the 92 drugs developed from 2000 to 2016. The overall improvement in survival was 2.4 months uh, over. Uh, so if people want to get excited about survival, they can get excited about a two, 2.4 month survival uh, increase in survival with lung cancer, uh, metastatic breast cancer, all these kinds of things. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about the 2.4 months. And the biggest uh, reduction in cancer came when people stopped smoking. Uh, in this country, we had a, a campaign. Uh, in the 1990s, 1992, 1993, anti-smoking campaign. So uh, people started to stop smoking. It became, uh, um, you know, uh, incorrect to to yeah. produce secondhand smoke and all this. You were infringing upon somebody's turf by blowing smoke. So they started to make it um, uh, unacceptable, uh, personal uh, infringement, unacceptability to have smoke. So people stopped smoking. And as the result of that, uh, the incident, the incidence of some cancers went down. So when when the uh, we looked at uh, recent data coming out of the um, American Cancer Society and also uh, a television saying we've made huge advance, we've dropped cancer death rates by thirty five percent over the last um, you know forty or fifty years, and the answer is um, that they do that by saying okay, had we not started the anti smoking campaign we would consider the trajectory of cancer deaths to continue at a certain Uh rate. Okay. So in 2023, uh, how many people would be dying of cancer if we did not institute the campaign in 1992? So, and now we say, Oh, look at our rate of cancer death is so much lower than it today than it would have been had we not instituted the smoking campaign. So it's all smoke and mirrors. So it's, it's, it's like making people feel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all I know is that we're getting over 1600 people a day in the United States dying from cancer. And many of these folks are dying of horrific deaths. They're surgically mutilated, poisoned, irradiated. I mean, they're just and it's not happened just here. It's happening all over the world. The Chinese yeah. losing 8000 a day in, from cancer. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, they wow. got they got a billion people over there. You know, um, so Australians, they're not any better than the rest of us. Yeah. I mean, uh, you guys got plenty of cancer down there. Um, the Germans and the Japanese. And I mean, it, it, it's we're, we're we're all suffering from the same problem. Uh, and the problem is we're, da- we're 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 in a diet and lifestyle that's putting us at risk for all these chronic diseases, cancer being just just one of the the other ones. Do, do you think if um, if we talk exposure, like people say, um, glyphosate's you know having that on your food can then lead to certain cancers, and and mobile phone use can lead to certain cancers. Is it yeah. that? If you are in a healthier state, you know, if you're following like the keto diet or a paleo diet, that your defense mechanism is far better to ward off that than it would be if you were just going down the road, eating the box of donuts, doing whatever you want, phone strapped to the head and processed food sprayed with pesticides and didn't even give a thought to what you were putting in your mouth. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You, You would just reduce risk. Everything is risk. It's a risk assessment. Right, so what you're in a better risk- spot to fight. Yeah, you know, what are the risk factors that produce cancer? Yeah, we know carcinogens, that's why they call them chemicals that produce cancer. Uh, carcinogens, right? So uh, carcinogens are entering into our environment, plastics and all kinds of things yeah. uh, that have the capacity to create inflammation in the body. Inflammation damages respiration, the mitochondria. A damaged mitochondria and respiration is the origin of cancer. Every cancer that we know of starts from damage to oxidative phosphorylation, the way we get energy through breathing oxygen. So when that organelle inside a cell becomes uh, um, damaged or corrupted in some way, it produces uh, radicals called reactive oxygen species uh, that damage DNA, damage proteins, and damage lipids, and also lead to the mutations that we see in DNA in the cancer cells. So the mutations in the cancer cells are all secondary downstream effects of the damage to our energy metabolism system in the cell. So what the what the the world cancer effort is focusing on are all these mutations that you see in cancer cells, but they're all effects. They're not the cause. The cause of cancer is damage to the oxidative phosphorylation. So once you know that, then you say, well, okay, what does that mean? Well, that means the tumor cell doesn't use oxygen to get energy. We all breathe out. You're breathing. I'm breathing. We're sitting here talking because we're breathing air and the air has oxygen and the oxygen allows our normal cells to generate energy. Our brain cells, the liver cells, kidney cells, they're all drilling energy because we're breathing oxygen. Cancer cells don't uh, live without oxygen. They don't need oxygen. So they live on an ancient fermentation pathway. So that means they can get energy without oxygen. That's the way all cells existed on the planet Earth uh, 2.5 billion years ago. And how do we know that? Because we have fossil records to tell us what existed in those times. So the cells during those times were fermenting. What does that mean? They were getting energy from uh, 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 sources other than how is that possible? There was no oxygen in the atmosphere back then. Okay, so little organisms started to produce oxygen in the atmosphere and then we were able to develop multicellular organisms and we were able to get organized. So everything has to come back to energy. Cancer cells get energy through an ancient pathways, these fermentation pathways. Now, once you know that, then all you have to say is, well, what drives the fermentation? What is the fuels driving this ancient fermentation pathway in these cancer cells? 
And the answer is the sugar glucose and the amino acid glutamine. Those are the two fuels that are driving this fermentation energy. So the question now is, how do you kill a cancer cell with this knowledge? Well, we know that they, in order to burn ketone bodies from a ketogenic diet or fatty acids, you have to have good respiration. You need oxygen and you need good respiration. Cancer cells don't have that. What does that mean? That means cancer cell cannot use ketone bodies or fatty acids. They have to have glucose and glutamine. So the, the, the strategy then, not that complicated. So if we know the cancer cell is fermenting, it doesn't use oxygen, and we know that it uses these two fuels, then what we do is we take, uh, take the whole body and transition the whole body into burning fatty acids and ketone bodies. Now the cancer cell can't use that. The cancer cell can't use fatty acids and ketone bodies because they have to ferment. They can't respire. Fatty acids and ketone bodies have to use oxygen to get energy. Cancer cell can't use fatty acids and ketone body. So let's turn our whole body over that. And then these tumor cells start to struggle. So what are they doing? They're trying to find glucose and glutamine in their microenvironment. So now you come in with, with lowering glucose and drugs that target the glutamine. And together, when your body is protected, you can then hammer, hammer away at these tumor cells without causing toxicity in the rest of the body because they're transitioned over to ketones. So it's a very elegant, simple um, I guess maybe not so simple because to me it's um, very simple, yeah. but for those folks who don't know biochemistry, for those folks that don't understand evolutionary biology, for those folks that are locked into ideological dogma thinking cancer is a genetic disease, then it becomes hopelessly complicated from what I just said. So I, you know, I spend most of my time trying to tell people uh, exactly what the nature of the disease is, exactly how to manage it, and all the things you need to do to do that. And it falls on deaf ears. It's like you might as well be talking to a stone. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's really frustrating. And, and I don't think, I, I think there's a lot of smart people out there. They know exactly what I'm saying. It's just that they're locked into a system that says we're not allowed to do that. Yeah, 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 100%. And, and I'm, I've also found some really smart people um, that tend to just gravitate to the first thing they were told. And it's like, well, I I can understand this inside and out, and this is what I've been told, but they're not questioners. They're not people that will go like, oh, let me collect 10 different points and come up with my own thing. It's like, oh, I can recite, I can understand, I can process and perform what I've been told. And that in itself is a problem when you have too much of that happening in any organization. Yeah, no, you're 100% right, because I know some guys in Australia that were, um, this the the medical system came down hard on them for trying to tell people to do this kind of stuff. And it's not only in Australia, I've seen it all over the world, in England and Germany. I mean, as, if you deviate from their rigid, rigid systems of treatment, I mean, yeah. you could lose your license, you're ridiculed, you're thrown out of the system, you lose your research grant. I mean, all these kinds of things that are nuts. So uh, the system is designed to protect itself, maintain the status quo. So, uh, and as a result, all these poor cancer patients are dying, suffering immensely. And, you know, for yourself, do you notice a lot of pushback, even when you're talking to other professionals? Uh, No, um, the pushback is ignorance. Um, I didn't know about that. Uh, Oh, no, you didn't consider, I I considered, I considered exactly. It's it's like... um, they're so locked into cancer being a genetic disease. It, it's almost like you're talking to the chimpanzee. Oh, um, yeah, you know, it's inability like I'm, to so, accept or consider. I'm so locked into the ideology yeah. and the dogma of the field. I 
it's what I'm what I'm saying is so different. They they know about Otto Warburg. They know there's a problem with cancer metabolism. But what they think is the genes that are causing the abnormal metabolism. And what I'm saying, no, no, no. It's the mitochondria that are causing the mutations. So it's uh it's you know with chicken and egg thing. What what's the the first thing that happens in cancer is the cell loses its ability to generate energy through oxygen. That's the first thing. Then you start collecting, you start to ferment, you start collecting mutations, you start to see all the things that we call cancer. Dysregulated cell growth is the definition of cancer, driven by a fermentation metabolism, uh, doesn't involve oxygen. So this is another thing. You know, as I said, Otto Warburg years ago, in his experiments, and he and others, showed that a, a rats and animals that had tumors, if you injected them with cyanide, which kills people and animals quick, very fast cyanide. It's a terrible poison. You can kill somebody instantly with cyanide. You know what that is, right? Yeah, cyanide. yeah. Like, yeah, you hear about it in the James Bond style movies. Yes. Yeah. And you remember the guys from Jonestown, they drank the Kool-Aid with the cyanide in it yeah. and they all died. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's because it stops energy through oxygen, oxidative, oxidative phosphorylase. Cyanide blocks oxygen energy, oxygen. So oh, you can right. take an animal that has a big tumor and inject that animal with cyanide, the animal dies instantly, but the tumor cells are fine. The tumor cells are living. Uh, they don't use oxygen, so they ferment. So the only thing that kills the tumor cell is you got to remove the fermentation energy from these things. So you say, what the hell are they fermenting? They're fermenting glucose and glutamine. You take that away, and that'll kill the tumor cell, not the oxygen. Oxygen, they don't, they don't use oxygen for energy. It's not that Warburg showed that years ago. What is it? Well, almost a hundred years ago, he was showing this kind of stuff. The problem with Otto Warburg is he, he, he didn't know how to capitalize effectively on his discoveries of the origin of cancer. Um, he was trying to recover or reconfigure mitochondria. Uh, I've decided that his strategy is probably was probably not the most effective way to do this. Uh, so we decide to target glucose and glutamine simultaneously while transitioning the whole body over to ketones. He knew nothing out of Warburg. And a, and a lot of the uh, stuff that we have found since Warburg's time, he he didn't have the the mechanism. The enzyme discoveries weren't there yet. So uh, um, but he was absolutely correct in studying and in, in describing the origin of cancer as a defect in the mitochondria that produces energy through oxygen. He knew that. And then he also knew that to survive, they had to ferment. But he only recognized glucose as the only fermentable fuel, where we now know that it's glucose and the amino acid glutamine. There's two fermentable fuels. He did not know about the amino acid fermentation. So now we're able to correct Warburg's idea. We're able to show all of the misinformation and misunderstanding that happened 50 or 60 years ago. And we're able to put it all back into a clean puzzle and show this is the way forward. Yeah. And now we have, we have uh, uh, refined and, and, and recognized the flaws and the misunderstandings and the, the data that were inconsistent. Some of the control experiments that he used uh, were inappropriate for the, for the explanation. Uh, and he was mis misled, misled by data, as were almost everyone else. The, pro the problem now is that people say Otto Warburg was wrong because cancer cells suck up oxygen just as well as normal cells do. And uh, we, we saw that. We know that. The problem is the cancer cell is not using the oxygen for energy. It's using the oxygen, oxygen to make reactive oxygen species, which damages DNA, causes the mutations. So we're able to put all these pieces together 
in, in a much clearer understanding of what the nature is of the disease. Do we know everything about this? No, but I can tell you, we know enough to make a big dent in reducing deaths from cancer. I can yeah. tell you that. So, because I have enough knowledge to do that. Is, is there a, the mitochondria, it, it's something that's popped up, I guess, a few years ago as a popular term amongst people. And I, But what, what is it? How do you explain what mitochondria is? Yeah, mitochondria is a separate, it, 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 it derived from a single organ, a different organism. It was an organism that knew how to capture oxygen to make, to make energy. So during the beginning of life, everything was single cells. Uh, everything existed as a single cell that uh, grow, uh, uh, proliferated like crazy. Uh, one of these uh, type of bacteria uh, was able to use oxygen and uh, uh, in a more effective way when oxygen levels in the atmosphere were just being produced. Because don't forget, we didn't evolve to have no oxygen and then 21% oxygen that we have today. We, 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 a life evolved in a hypoxic environment. And then gradually more and more oxygen came in and there was a fusion between two different cells, a cell that could ferment very effectively. And now this other kind of a, a or a, another kind of a cell fused together. So we had two and the mitochondria today have their own DNA. They, they have the remnants of bacterial existence. Their origins have been defined as a, a different kind of an organism. So they now are the mitochondria. These bacteria that have entered into the cell uh, were a living organism that have now become what we call the mitochondria. So it's like one living cell inside of another living cell. Right. Okay. Right. So that's what, that's our existence. And that's allowed us to be multicellular so that we can form more complex, complex forms and, and go through the, the uh, emergence of uh, speciation. We all have all the species of, uh, this is what, uh, uh, evolutionary biology is all about and we can trace these origins back now looking at at the structure in, uh, of the dna and the and the arrangements of the proteins and the nucleotides and the genes we can we can get historical background readings so when you look at the mit now the interesting thing about the mitochondria is that it has 16 uh genes that it, it encodes uh and these are not these are encoded only in the mitochondria most of the uh, uh, mitochondrial genetics was was relegated to the nucleus of the cell, the nucleus of the cell. Everybody knows what the nucleus, you have a cell and you have a nucleus in the cell, but you have these other organelles and the mitochondria is just one of them. You have Golgi and uh, endoplasmic reticulum. You got all, it's a, it's a little, uh, you know, there's all kinds of organelles inside the, the, the main cell, but the, the mitochondria keep control uh, of these. I think there's 13 genes, 13 of them that never were allowed the nucleus to have. And anything happens in one of those 13 genes, boom, the cell dies. So who controls the life and death of the cell is the mitochondria of the cell. Oh, okay. So that, I always looked at it this way. If you have this smart guy and you have a dumb guy and you say, uh, well, I can take it, let this, a dumb, this dumb nucleus do most of the, why should I have to do all the work when the dumbass nucleus will do it for me? So, but I control the keys to the kingdom. And that's what they call apoptosis. So when the cell gets sick, the cell dies rather than become a cancer cell. So it dies quickly. And that's controlled by the mitochondria of the cell. It controls programmed cell death. So when wow. the cell is sick, the mitochondria release cytochrome C. It's, a, it's one of the proteins of the uh, electron transport chain, and it causes death. So you never, as Otto Warburg said, you can never get 
uh, cancer from a dead cell. So if you cause uh, damage to respiration too acutely, too fast, the cell will die and never become a cancer. It's, it makes sense. But if that organelle is damaged chronically over long periods of time, it tries to adjust and adapt. And what happens is as the respiratory system of the mitochondria becomes less and less efficient, it, uh, programs start to bring in fermentation fuels. So fermentation gradually replaces respiration, your oxygen, and the cell now falls back on this ancient fermentation pathway the way it was before oxygen came into the atmosphere 2.5 billion years ago. So the cell is, and then at that time, the cells just repeated, replicated, 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 replicated. There was no control over replication. So what controls the cell cycle and replication is the mitochondria. So if that organelle gradually loses its ability to control the cell, the cell reverts back to its ancient behavior, which grows like crazy, which then spreads around and can kill you. So, uh, and then cells of our immune system come in uh, and fuse with these things and they form metastatic cancer. I mean, I wrote all this in my book. My book has all people, people, when they listen to me speak on these podcasts and things, you know, they just hear what I'm saying now. Um, they don't bother to go, please read the papers that I wrote. Everything yeah. that I'm, I'm saying is written in the literate scientific literature, open access. I mean, I have the papers sitting here. A problem is, I don't, I don't believe what you, know, you see all these people saying about the stuff that I say. Well, read the damn papers for Christ's sake, <laughs> and you'll understand what the hell I'm saying. And maybe if you don't talk about it to somebody, maybe you can understand. Maybe they can help you understand it. I mean, I'm not saying this stuff is, is you know, you, uh, you, and I tell all the cancer says you need some level of scientific literacy, but it's your soul that's at stake here. Yeah. Um, sometimes you might need to know this stuff if you want to stay alive. Yeah. So um, there's, there's a level of motivation. And then there's some people who never care about anything. They, they just uh, they just turn their soul over to some guy who really doesn't understand the nature of the problem. But yeah. So what I say in these podcasts has to be validated by people reading the scientific literature to say, to show the evidence for what I'm saying. Yeah. I do these experiments in my lab. I check what Warburg did. Was it, was he right or not? Right. I find out where these guys were right and where they were incorrect. And we correct this. How do I know? Because I'm doing the damn experiments next door in my lab. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just re And when I read stuff, that people have published, I know automatically whether the guy knows what he's talking about or not, because I'm testing it in my lab as, as we do all this stuff. And that's why I publish all these papers. I do the preclinical studies. We're working on big treatment protocols for treating cancer pay, for patients that, in clinics. So eventually what I'm saying will become mainstream. It will become this, the new standard of care. It just takes time takes for this time. stuff. To, yes. It takes time. But I <laughs> feel is. bad because in the time that it takes for people to understand this, we have to sacrifice all these poor cancer patients. Yeah. Poisoning yeah. and irradiating them yeah. and, and, and doing all this crazy medieval stuff, yeah. you know, and it's just surgically mutilating these poor guys, you know, and, and, and they're all like hair loss, vomiting, sickness. I'm saying, what the hell is, what are we doing to these poor folks? We don't yeah. need to be doing this, but how long will it take before the, 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 the field, the society comes to know what I'm saying. I, yeah. I don't know. 
You know, it just takes oh, time. I, I can only imagine your frustration because you, you're, you're, you know, firsthand your own research and you and seeing what it can do, and you're just now waiting for everyone to play catch up. Yeah, it's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, with the diet. So I'm curious as to the level of of. Uh, I mean, I understand and. and for the most part, follow like a paleo style diet. You know, it's, it's, to me, it seems common sense that diet is yeah. very straightforward. It, you know, I, I find it odd that people jump up and down and say, Oh, that's, that's a dangerous diet. It's like, well, I really don't get it's, it's quite a simple diet. It makes sense with the keto. Obviously the focus is, is more around, it's a very similar diet, but you're introducing a lot more good fats. You're trying to keep that good fat count up far higher than a paleo base. Would that be a fair comparison well, of the two you know, it's 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 hard to say because you know we're we're seeing really good management in cancer patients with mediterranean diet uh we're oh. seeing med- we're seeing paleo diet uh the vegan diet some people do well in a vegan diet the the whole thing comes down to measuring the ratio of blood sugar to ketone bodies in your blood and you do that with the keto mojo it's a meter that you can buy from amazon okay. uh, i tell all the cancer patients they've got a man- <clears throat> monitor their glucose ketone index. Um, and I published all this stuff. I mean, and this is what uh, we say. I, I wrote a big paper called the press pulse metabolic therapy. And in there, we talk about the glucose ketone index, you know, so the first thing, so somebody says, Oh, can I eat this? I, I, I have no idea. Why don't you just measure your GKI and uh, glucose ketone index? So then they say, Oh, you know, um, I, I said, well, eat that and see what it does. If it makes your index go high, don't eat that. Uh, eat yeah. something else. See, see what, so, cause it varies from one person to the next. It varies from one culture to the next, you know, um, Asian people may not, may get into a, a low GKI different from Australians or, or, or English, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, it, it, but it's a quantitative measure. Once the patient is in, uh, uh and, and also, yeah, you do lose weight. Um, on this, but it's healthy weight loss. It's not yeah. pathological weight loss. And this is another thing that people in the medical community fail to realize. There's a difference between pathological weight loss and and therapeutic weight loss. Okay. If you want the best way to, to see the difference is that when you have toxic chemo that you take or radiation, you, you vomit, uh, you have fatigue, you are nausea, you have diarrhea, okay? You lose weight because you can't eat. You're so damn sick, okay? That's called pathological weight loss. Uh, Therapeutic weight loss is when you stop eating highly processed carbohydrates and eat foods that are low in carbohydrates. All of a sudden, you start losing weight. But at the same time, you get super healthy. Yeah, is a huge difference. And for whatever reason, the medical community cannot understand the difference between pathological weight loss. (laughs) And and the other other thing, too, because they think all cancer patients need to keep their body weight up. Why? Because you're poisoning the hell out of them. So you have to take high carbohydrates because you're being poisoned on one end. I mean, the whole thing is upside down, man. It's like a break. I've seen it too. Sometimes I think we should have the chimpanzees uh, run <laughs> they might do a better job. <laughs> yeah. Because you see it even the meals they give people in hospital. They they, oh. they come out and you think, what are we doing? 
But yes. I, give this guy. I, I, yeah. And, and, I, and they always say, well, if it was so important, I would have learned it in medical school. Ah, wrong. Yeah. I mean, and, and you don't. Know, you're not taught that. In fact, medical students don't even get any of this kind of information. They oh, just wow. learn how to, and cancer, they just learn how to, you know, treat you with enough poison that doesn't kill you or irradiate so the smoke doesn't come out of your ears. I mean, it's like, uh, this is what they're trained to do. And they, and they're lock, rock, locks out. I've never seen anything so incorporated uh, around the world as the treatment for cancer patients. I when I went to India, I thought they would have been more open to this. No, no, they irradiate the people there. Chinese irradiate Germans, Americans. Oh, wow. Everybody's doing the same damn thing. It's like, give me a break! Don't you guys think outside the box ever? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's never. It's so institutionalized. Every in every Western culture, we do almost the same damn thing. Yeah. It's like unbelievable. You know? Yeah, it's well, yeah. It, it's it's like if it was a missing person and you're using checking the same spot over and over, you're not gonna <laughs> find him. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Yeah. You think we 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 were smart in them, to, you know, and, and some of these guys are so smart. I mean, they got A's in all their subjects in in college. I mean, they were valedictorians and and summa cum laude, and and you bring somebody in, you nuke them and poison them. <laughs> Yeah, it's bizarre. It's a weird, it's a weird mindset, and, I, and yeah. I don't understand why we don't look to the softer, common sense approach first and save that yeah, as well, the last to, brutal resort. Yeah, you have to understand evolutionary biology, and if you don't understand evolutionary biology, you're going to continue to do stupid things, and um, and that's one of the things that we've learned a long time ago. And we can manage this cancer uh, quite effectively with non toxic approaches and keep people alive with a higher quality of life and long survivals forget about this two and four months and uh you know some of the new drugs are really remarkable uh they 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 look it, it, it it's like false hope especially for this drug avastin uh which is bevacizumab which i thought would have been out- outlawed a long time ago but they continue to use it i i consider it immoral and malpractice to use avastin especially for brain cancer patients but yet they use it and and um what it does is it makes the tumor look like it's disappearing. Um, you give this drug to the cancer patient, then you do an image analysis of the brain to see what happened. And you say, oh, look, man, oh, that big tumor that you had seems to be dissolving. What is happening is the damn tumor cells are now invading through the rest of the brain. So you no longer oh. see the solid mass. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then the the, the, the patient thinks, oh, my, oh, the, the drug they're giving me works really well. Look at my tumors disappearing and you end up dying and your survival is no different from, from the guy who did, but you, you felt hopeful while you were dying. You know, oh, it was like, uh, you can't believe, you cannot believe the crazy stuff that, that some of these folks are doing out there in the name of trying to help people. Yeah. That's why I said anybody who uses Avastin for a brain cancer patient, that's that should be a malpractice and it's immoral. And yet they do it all the time because what I just told you is not known to these folks. Now, how is that possible? If they read the scientific literature like I do and work in the field, they should know these things. Yeah. And yet they continue to do this crazy stuff. So uh, and this is just one example of many, many other examples I could be going down the pipes talking about, you know, and all of this stuff is extremely expensive the poor patients and we got financial toxicity 
you know, the poor people are throwing, they're taking their life savings to get these drugs that don't work. And the next thing you know, they're in, they're in, uh, they, they can't pay their bills, their credit cards, they're, they're out of, they commit suicide, marriages are falling apart. It's called financial toxicity from the, from the expensive cancer drugs that largely don't work. So, um, I mean, when you think about the tragedy, not only are you dying a miserable death, but you're also being bankrupt at the same time you're going through all this. Yeah. And, and leaving all that behind too, at the end as well, for someone yes. else to deal with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. God, I mean, can you believe it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you I, understand I, what I'm saying, right? I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, I was it, terrible. You can't, it, it's human tragedy at the, at the highest. Yeah. And and I just don't understand why more people aren't hungry to to question and question and oh, I don't know. Just I, I feel like that oh, should they, be a prerequisite. They throw you, you need out. to be I can questioning. Tell you so many, oh yeah, I get a, I get dozens and dozens of emails from Australia all the time, and they go in these poor. It's not only Australians. You go in the Germans, go in and the English, and the, the oncologist throws you out. They get all upset. Get out of here. We don't want you as a patient. You start wow. chatting, chatting. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, they get angry. Because you're challenging their knowledge base. It would be one thing if they knew what they were doing. You never want to challenge a guy who really understands what he's doing. But when you challenge guys who are completely clueless on the biology of the disease they're treating, they seem to get angry. They shouldn't get angry. They should be, they should say, Ooh, tell me what you know. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many cancer patients went in there and they did metabolic therapy and they go back to the doctor who said, you only have like uh, six months to live. And the guy's like doing really well. What do you he said, I don't know what you did, but just keep doing the same thing. Oh, I, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Yeah, you just I don't keep doing know. what you're doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you believe it? That is incredible, isn't it? Isn't yes. That... This is supposed to be a smart guy. You think if he had a few functional brain cells, he'd say, hey, man, I want to know what you're doing. Exactly might... right. And if it was if it was another, like a, a trade or an IT yeah, person yes. or whatever, you'd be saying, what did you do? Tell me what you did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You that know, exactly. Yeah, it is. Oh. It's absolutely. It's some sort of a. I don't know what it is. It's like the brain has been changed in some of these oncologists. They can't think outside the box. They're 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 trained to do a certain thing. It's like uh, the dog and pony show. You know, you do this yeah. over and over again, and it, just because I'm doing it, because everybody else is doing the same thing. Which is, which know? is okay if the pony is always jumping those bars, but if it's ramming yes. into them, you yes. got to stop and reassess. What's the setup? <laughs> do we need a longer run up? What do we need to change? <laughs> well, that's what Einstein said. <laughs> doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, is called insanity. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly that's what the cancer field is. It's an insane uh, thing. And they're all trying to tell us how wonderful in the breakthroughs. All I know is cancer is replacing heart disease, the number one killer. It can't be that many breakthroughs. And all we're hearing about is all these suffering and dying patients all over the place. Yeah. You and know? younger and younger. That's the trend. Younger I, and younger. I, you're and just seeing it so young. Oh. Tragic, tragic, tragic for the little kids. Yep. It's unbelievable. Brain I, cancer kids are being tortured. It's just terrible. And you and know? that should be the, the sense of urgency. That should be, all right, well, if 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 we're going to focus on what we have always been doing that tends yeah. to work sometimes, but at least have a crew focusing mm -hmm. on something else. You just need to have more men on the yeah. ground just well, that's doing what whole, you can. That's the whole thing. People say, how can I say all this stuff? Because the theory under which the disease is viewed currently is incorrect. It's not a genetic disease. Cancer is a mitochondrial metabolic disease. It is not a genetic disease. And the examples I use are the heliocentric, geocentric 
concept of the organization of the solar system. For centuries, supported by the Catholic Church, we thought the Earth was the center of the solar system. This had been Ptolemy, uh, 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 Aristotle, the Catholic, they all thought the Earth was the center of the solar system. Copernicus came along and said he thinks the sun might be the center of the solar system and the planets are revolving around the sun, including the Earth. But he published that on his deathbed. Uh, 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 Giordano Bruno from Italy was burned at the stake for supporting what Copernicus said, right? And then Galileo came along with the telescope to support what Copernicus said. And Kepler came along to show that the orbits, uh, and for 400 years, the church resisted this this kind of information, you know? And now everybody knows the earth revolves around the sun, okay? Why? It took how many hundreds of years before? But now the, the issue, it didn't affect people's lives. I mean, you could work shearing sheep or growing corn or doing what you had knowing whether it was the sun or the or the earth in, in the center of the solar system didn't it, really make it matter yeah yeah but for for the somatic mutation theory and the mitochondrial meta- metabolic theory we are allowing yeah. hundreds and thousands of people to die every damn day for not recognizing the difference between these two theories yeah. just like no difference between the earth and the sun is the center of the solar system yeah this is it. the yeah, it's madness. This is the this is what we're the tragedy that we're dealing with because people are locked into this idea. Cancer is a genetic disease based on the somatic mutation theory. We're using all these crazy crazy th- therapies, targeting genes, looking at genes, doing this. It's irrelevant. Most of it is irrelevant. It's not, and that's why you have this problem. So uh, again, it's it's a it's a tough. So we're we're back we're back into fifteen hundreds trying to tell the Catholic church that the, that the sun is the center of the solar system, you know, and finally they, they've <laughs> right. Is there, yeah. there's no difference. <laughs> what it is, is a challenge to authority. Yeah. They're challenging an, uh, an institution. The institution says that cancer is a genetic disease. I am challenging the institution just as, as, as Galileo challenged to the church and as Copernicus challenged the church and as Kepler challenged the church. But I'm just giving you one example. They, they, you know, Louis Pasteur was criticized brutally for saying that uh, diseases were caused by germs. And they said, no, it was bad air, the miasma theory. Darwin was vilified for saying that we evolved uh, uh, through evolutionary processes. So, but, but if we, if it weren't for Darwin's theory, we, we, uh, the mitochondrial metabolic theory would not exist if it weren't for the, for the, for the understanding of evolutionary biology. So, so you have to put these uh, scientific concepts, uh, concepts in the right context. And unfortunately, I don't want to wait around to see so many cancer patients, people uh, 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 brutalized by a system when I know it doesn't have to happen. Exactly. If you know there's another way, it's yeah, that's yes. the big, you're not not just hoping and wishing and thinking. You're like, no. have a look, look, check. We have look a strategy. Yeah, we have a strategy. We have a clear plan. We're writing the protocols, but nobody wants to do it because it's not part of the established way of doing things. So, so uh, if, if someone wants to do to to follow this course, obviously they're going to have to do a large part of it on their own. They're going to have to take the reins by themselves and yeah, and and yeah. steer the ship directly and and battle it out on their own for the large part. So which is tra- which is which is not which is a, a problem. Yes, you know, hundred percent. If I if I were to get cancer and I'm the one writing all this stuff, uh, I know what to do and how to do it. But I would still want to talk to my colleagues, yeah, uh, that are that are in the mindset that I have. And, uh, and bounce and things would, off them reassurance yes, try bounce this them try off. That. yeah yeah even though i i know all this stuff yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. So, and then I'm throwing out to poor people uh, that are not um, medically trained uh, with scientific literacy and asking them to do all this stuff on their own. You know, it's a little bit uh, ingenuous for me to say this. But but uh, on the other hand, we are trying, we're writing a treatment protocol now. We have to train physicians to know about how to do this. So there's a training process here. You know, hospitals uh, don't want to do it. There's no revenue generation in part of this. We they have to figure out how can we replace what we're doing now with this other protocol treatment program to make to make things the the business model work. So you're dealing with a lot of very very powerful changes that have to come. Yeah, uh, yeah. From at this. a commercial to, level, it, it, before it comes yeah. down to accessibility, right? We have to know, but that's okay. Uh, but I'll tell you, people who. Uh, we have a movie coming out, a documentary called The Cancer Revolution. And, and that will be coming. I think part one is already out. There's going to be a five-part series on this documentary. Oh, okay. And we're collecting dozens and dozens and dozens of these so-called terminal cancer patients who had stage four, whatever, brain, colon, breast, and showing how many of them have are now alive with a high quality of life. Uh, doing metabolic therapy. So uh, more and more patients uh, are coming aboard and they're the ones now telling others uh, that, hey, you know, I'm I'm alive today because I did metabolic therapy. And some of them are doing hybrid systems where they use very low doses of chemo with metabolic therapy. So, um, so there's some hybrid uh, uh, possibilities coming down the pike. Eventually, it'll all be metabolic therapy with non-toxic approaches. But until that time comes, we have to suffer through this 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 badlands that we're in right now. So the best thing, really, for people is is to stick to a, a keto style diet, free yourself of refined foods, minimize it. it fruit becomes a treat, as such, I guess, because of yeah. That... Well, I think some fruits, like when we were working with epilepsy, I, and that's another thing. I worked in the, for, in the epilepsy field for decades. Um, and learned how to do many of these metabolic approaches for managing children with epilepsy. Um, so we knew how to use ketogenic diets and, and, um, but we use, we knew grape, grapefruits are, are very low, low glycemic fruits. So fruits that have very low, grapefruit has tremendous amounts of vitamin C and very little, very little sugar. Mm. So, uh, many of our other oranges and apples, they're all bred to be full of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the original apples and things that we evolved to eat when they were ripe were little tiny apples were little tiny things. You ever see the size of a Japanese apple? It's like as big as a soccer ball. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so, uh, and it's all full of sugar and everything, but, but, um, you know, so I'm eating fruit, you know, well, some fruits are better than other fruits. Um, but we learned to know low glycemic foods. And again, you use the glucose ketone index as kind of a bellwether. Like my, my friend. What's the Dominic, rating there? What's the, when you're looking at that index, where do you typically want to be under or at? Yeah. Well, I said for cancer management, it's 2.0 or below. Okay. Um, okay. But, you know, people can stay healthy at 10, 10, around 10 or 12, uh, you know, 10 or below 10. Let's so if you, yeah, if you, if you just, if you're just going yeah. along healthy lifestyle, you can try to stay under 10. And then obviously yeah. if it's, you're trying to yeah, fight yeah. the problem, you drop that right down. Absolutely. Absolutely. And carnivore diets bring you down. I, I did a, I did one with uh, Anthony Chaffee. He's in Perth. 
He, he's oh, okay. uh, in Perth, Australia. You should look up his. He's a carnivore guy. He tells everybody how to eat these big tomahawk ribeyes and how to cook <laughs> and all that stuff. Apparently, Australians love this stuff, but who doesn't actually? Right? We're yeah. All... Well, there's a uh, so our football league is AFL Australian football. There's a, a couple of players that have jumped on the carnivore diet, and they're yeah. they're seeing uh, faster recovery times, you oh, know, yeah. increased strength, and all yeah. the benefits of of. And, and I don't think they don't follow it to just only meat, but it's predominantly um, you know yeah. meat, um, and well, they're seeing a lot of benefits. Yeah, we evolved to eat mostly meat. I mean, that's how we, 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 we survived as a species, killing animals and eating them. Yeah. You know, uh, we didn't have a lot of the, the paleo, the um, a Neolithic period where we started to cultivate grains and that led to civilization, actually. You know, we could then uh, build cities around around the cornfields and the, the rice fields and things like this. But we, we were eating meat. Um, now, here's the difference between a carnivore and, and um, uh, a vegan. Or, or a vegetarian. Animals that eat plants generally have to have a much longer digestive tract to, to uh, squeeze the energy out of Break the foods down. that you ate. That's why gorillas have that big gut and chimpanzees oh, and humans right. have much lower because they, they're more plant eaters, the, uh, the gorilla. So the gorilla has to have a longer intestinal tract to get the energy. That's why they have that gut. That's oh, uh, all because okay. of their, their intestines. So uh, humans did not evolve to eat plants in any great amount. Of course, they'll, we would eat berries and we would eat uh, uh, tubers and we would eat whatever we could find. But it wasn't like uh, vegan. We never evolved to be vegans so, uh, or, or heavy vegetarian. We evolved as meat eaters. And in fact, we'd eat any, we're, called, we're called omnivores. We'll eat anything. You know, anything crawls, walks, or flies, you're going to eat. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is our evolution. This is our past. And, um, you know, my friend Dom D'Agostino, he's in uh, uh, ketosis all the time. Dom, Dom is always, he eats vegetables, but he eats a lot of meat, eats a lot of eggs. And his, he's, he's a GKI value, always under five. So, um, and he lives in this lifestyle. It's oh, a, okay. And that's what we call paleolithic lifestyle. You're always going to be in some low level of, of ketosis. So, uh, because that's, we don't, we're not consuming high processed carbohydrates in our diet. So the body then becomes acclimated to this kind of a new of a, of a new environment, you know, and it's it's hard to do because we are tempted all the time. Yeah. Yeah. With convenience. Highly processed, yes. Yeah, convenience. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's hard to stay in a paleolithic diet lifestyle, yeah. you know, but that's that's where we came from. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you just have to know these things. But I guess, you know, for, for someone that's doing the whole, uh, a bottle of Coke and a chocolate bar and a this and that a day, you strip yeah. that away, you're already on the right path. And then if you can just yeah. start reducing your, you know, wrapping everything in a piece of bread and and yeah. filling up a bowl of, of pasta, just start minimizing yeah. those things, it's you're yeah. on the right but, path. You know, it's so, it's pasta is so easy to make. Yeah. Boil the water, put some sauce on it, put butter on it, put whatever. It goes you a know. long way. Oh yeah. It's yeah. cheap and it, and it's quick. Yeah. And it makes you feel good. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're all not going to go home every night and cook a big tomahawk ribeye. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. You yeah. know, <laughs> you throw some vegetables on kids are screaming. Everybody's running around. You worked your ass off all day. You just want to sit and relax with a cocktail and a piece of bread with butter on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All that stuff is okay. I think, but you got to match it with a lot of good exercise and you got to match it with uh, good nutritious diets periodically. And if you can do water only fasting, which is a bitch, 
you know, try it. Try try going without eating any food, man. It's it's terrible. I tried yeah. a couple of times. But the other thing I tried was um was based on Dominic Diagostino and some others, just just the meat. Like Don would say, just eat some uh, good fresh hamburger, cook it up, uh, cook it with a couple of eggs in there, mix the eggs in with the meat. You can put some hot sauce on it or something like this. You know, it's not bad. You'd, you'd be surprised how fast you lose weight and how healthy you become in a very short period of time. So, and you don't have to be starving. Now, some of the cancer, pa- not starving, but feeling like you're starving. Um, some of the cancer patients do water-only fasting with tremendous success. You know, uh, they go 14, 21 days without eating. Uh, wow. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, Dyke, Guy Tannenbaum, a lot of these guys. I've I've had a lot of people telling me this. People then say, oh, you got to be crazy. I'm not going to do that. And the oncologists will say, oh, you're going to lose too much weight doing that. But I tell you, man, it blows the crap out of these tumor cells. The, the body starts doing an internal surveillance, autolytic cannibalism. If those, every cell in the body has to earn its right to exist in that body under these rigid stress. Uh, uh, nutritional stress conditions. So it gets so you, rid of the dead weight as such. Yeah, yes. Yeah. In fact, there's internal reconfiguration of mitochondrial efficiency in every cell of the body. And if you have cancer cells that are there that are not carrying their weight efficiently, the body turns on them and eats them. So uh, you'll go, you'll do an internal surveillance. Cancer now becomes fuel for the rest of the body. The body, but if you're in a constantly rich sugar environment, the rest of the cells in the body don't. The cancer cell can continue to do what it's doing because everybody's fat and happy. Yeah, as as a, <laughs> yeah, they're sleepy the and tired, like after a big oh, meal yeah. at Christmas. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like the, it's human behavior internally to the body. I mean, we're we are the cells of our body. We just happen to manifest some of the same conditions in 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 a, in a, in a, in a greater way too. It's a, it's really fascinating to know all this stuff. Well, it's obviously an incredibly powerful tool. And, and yeah. you know, if you're at a point where you need to do it, 14-day fast, I guess, is you get it over and done with. Well, I don't, I don't advocate that. And, but people who come to me and said, like, you know, I, I get rid of my cancer by doing it by every, every month uh, doing a 21-day water-only fast. And I had a guy in my office here, Guy Tannenbaum. I, he came in. I, I said, well, he just said, I have a glass of water. I said, okay, have some water. You know, the, the, uh, he had, was on an 18 day water fast. He, he lost, he went from 235 pounds down to 165 pounds. He looked great. He got rid of his prostate cancer. He had type two diabetes, prostate cancer, hypertension, and high blood pressure. And he got rid of it all doing this kind of fast. Everything went out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's just bringing us back to our uh, uh, way we evolved in, in the environment that we had. We didn't have much food. And that's why human beings were like your aborigines. Uh, they were all the same short little guys. You know, now we have these giant football players. They yeah. weigh 300 pounds. I mean, this is not normal. <laughs> yeah. This is not. And these poor folks can pay a big price for that later in life. You know, yeah. they're suffering from all kinds of stuff. So, um Yeah. It's just if you know evolutionary biology, you, you you know the path that we need to take. How we got to where we were are today, as we deviated dramatically from from how we how we evolved as a species. So when so you've got these these is it a five part documentary that's going to be coming out? Yeah, part one is already out. It's on Otto Warburg, uh, okay. how he how he started this whole movement. Um, uh, uh, he started. They called it the Warburg hypothesis on how cancer arose hypothesis in science is like kind of a guess or a hunch you have a little bit of a 
of of information. But uh, a theory in science is supported. It's not like people in the in the in the culture will say, "Oh, I have a theory about something." No, you don't. You have a hypothesis. So a theory is supported by massive amounts of evidence. But a theory can be overturned uh, if there's enough contra- contrary evidence. So Einstein's theory of relativity, uh, which was proven to be correct, and another piece of evidence came out last year supporting what Albert Einstein had said mathematically with actual actual visual measurements and things. Uh, Darwin's theory of evolution uh, has not been overturned for a hundred uh, over a hundred years. So, but it can be. Uh, because it's not a law, it's a theory, which means that if enough evidence is collected contrary to the principles, the theory would be changed. So right now, I'm in the process of overturning the somatic mutation theory of cancer. So that theory is incorrect based on the massive amount of new evidence that's now accumulating. Some cancer cells have no mutations. We're finding terrible mutations in normal cells that never develop cancer. We're finding that all the mutations are secondary downstream effects as effects, not the cause of cancer. So we're collecting a large amount, myself and others, Sonin Sheen and Sato and other guys from different universities, are collecting a massive amount of evidence saying cancer cannot be a genetic disease. Therefore, the somatic mutation theory of cancer will be overturned. And once that's overturned, the, the mitochondrial metabolic theory will replace the somatic mutation theory. And once the mitochondrial metabolic theory comes in, you're going to see massive improvements in overall survival and quality of life as the result of this. But it takes, it's hard to overturn. Look how long it took to overturn the uh, geocentric theory the set, that the earth was the center of the solar system. Sometimes mm. it takes a long time to, because you're challenging, you're challenging powerful institutional forces when you try to overturn these entrenched theories. So you, yeah. better, you better have your shit together, otherwise you're <laughs> going to be squashed. Because yeah. you and I have we we have enough evidence here. I mean, to say that cancer is a genetic disease, you either have you you, 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 you either have to be like at a, at a left field, or you have to be a, a, an ideologue, a, a dogmatic ideologue, and that's the reason why these people are they're they're ideologues. They they locked into an ideology as if it were a religion. Yes, religion dogma. This you cannot change people's religion. They're locked in. They die before they change. Yeah. And this is what we have in science as well. Don't it, it works the same way. You you, you want to be you, you like to think you were right. And then when you're not right, you have to change the ways. Yeah. Yeah. And people would hope that 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 is the way it is. But it's you know, as you've just said, it's often the opposite. It's often the closed shop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, but this so you're up, up against. But as I said, we we're, we have an emergency here. We have a pandemic of dying, suffering people. Yes. And uh, and we can we have a way forward to, to prevent that or reduce it significantly. And and not doing it is 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 tragic, tragedy, tragedy. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Well, look, it's fortunate that there are people like you that keep pushing with that relentless energy um, and enthusiasm for it, because uh, that's what ultimately will uh, will make the difference at the end. Yeah, well, I'm hoping. We're we're, we're hoping. We're pushing as hard as we can. Uh, all of our research is supported by philanthropy and private foundations. Right. So uh, this new movement will happen. And there are a lot of people that that would like to be a part of it. And uh, I get donations and I get this and I get that. And some people are very generous and and because they know they're not into it to to say, oh, how how am I going to make a buck on your system? Although a lot of people are. But some people say, I just want to be recognized as being a part of this transitional movement. 
And when I write my papers, I always acknowledge these folks. Like if you look at my papers that I publish, you see all these different names and organizations. Those are the guys that are supporting our research. Helping. Yeah. 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 So, so we get, we get support. I get support from Australian folks and people all around the, when I give them valuable information that can help them, you know, they, they support our, our foundations. So uh, that's that's the way move. That's the way we move forward on this whole thing. And is there a place that you direct people if they want to find out more? Is there a thing of, is there a particular website or organization or do you well, tell them to come to you? Yeah, well, they can come to me, um, but I have to be honest with you. I'm getting like buried. I, I never yeah, knew I can imagine. so many hundreds and hundreds of people and the horrific stories that they tell you, you can't sleep at night because of the tragedy yeah. that you read every day, you know? Um, uh, but the Travis Christofferson's foundation for metabolic cancer therapy is, is what, um, supports us and um uh my papers are published we're publishing in peer review journals uh open access open i should say all peer review but open access what that means is all you have to do is put my name into the uh, uh into pubmed say show me seafried's publications and they'll come up uh-huh. so you can say oh you know this guy say well i don't think this guy knows what he's talking about oh yeah why don't you read the damn paper and find out yeah. so a lot of people just won't do it oh well, i i can't i don't understand it well if your life is you know i found out that when you're when you're when your life is on the line you'd be surprised how smart people become in a relatively short period of time yeah i wish i could get some of my biology students to get that smart they're in the class just to get a grade and oh yeah i have to take this to graduate but when they're when your person's life is on the line and you have information that could save them you'd be yeah. surprised how 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 scientifically literate they become in a very short period of time wow so they start reading it they talk to the family i don't understand this word go to google oh now i understand they retranslate everything oh now i know what he's saying oh i think we can do this <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's so, just it. You, you don't leave anything unturned when, when you're desperate, your back's against the wall. Yeah. You've got no choice. And yeah. That's, that's oh, the difference. Yeah. And, and if you want to live, you're going to under, try to understand this as quick as possible. Yeah. You're going to run out. You're going to get the meter. You're going to start watching what you're eating. You're going to start looking at all these different things. And then there's, there's drugs that, that sometimes you can I had a guy in Australia. He, 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 he emailed me because we use fenbendazole and embendazole. It's a, it's a parasite medication. Tumors and parasites use a similar kind of energy metabolism. So, so this guy from Australia calls, uh, emails me. He says, "Hey, I found the fenbendazole in the pet in the pet line at the supermarket in the pet in the pet the, the pet food uh, section." He says it's it's a, de- a pet dewormer, and uh, deworms the pets, uh, dogs and cats and things. So uh, this fenbendazole and, and um, Joe Tippins used fenbendazole to get rid of his metastatic uh, lung cancer, and um, oh yeah. So the Australians said, where do I get this? And I, I was laughing because he said down in Sydney, I don't know where he was. He said, I, I got it in the pet food aisle. I, I picked it up for like three bucks. <laughs> wow. Well, if it worked, that's, yeah. 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 That's yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. But just, you got to work with the diet. It has to be a, com- uh, a diet drug combo. Yeah. So you'll be in the right state for it to work. Yeah. You, the body has to be prepared for the drug. You just can't throw this stuff and expect it to work as effectively as it can. It, it can work a lot better if you know how to use it in the right the right concentration under the right physiological condition. This is the training process. This is the training yeah. process, you know. Oh, so any of it, it's a, a lot of good stuff coming down the pike. Yeah. Um, it's frustrating that it's not being readily acknowledged or adapted, 
a lot of a lot of um, pushback on the part of the clinicians in the in the in the in the, um, in the clinics, you know. But uh, they have to be educated too. Patients are putting the pressure on the oncologist. Things will change. It, it just takes time. Takes time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that you're fighting. You're pushing as hard as you are for it, so that the world needs more people like yourself. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that would uh, that would love to thank you for what you've done yeah, and, and, and what you And doing. the other thing too is I I do have lectures. Um, a, lo- a lot of people just look at my conversation. Some people get angry that we have to spend so much time. Oh, put it in a nutshell, five minutes. Well, sometimes you can't do that. Yeah. Um, but but um, I have lectures. I did a nice one from a group in Australia, uh, uh, which was really nice. So you can actually get the data. I show data. I show the data, the uh, scientific evidence supporting what, what I'm saying. saying. Yeah. yeah. Just, you yeah. Can, you can, I have lectures on there. You can see the lecture. Look at the, look at the data. It's very appreciative of your time. I've, I've, um, I've really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been one of the best conversations that I've had most enjoyable, most interesting. So I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed spending the morning, well, my morning and your afternoon together. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. You know, let's hope uh, more people hear about this and they start to, you know, start to make the change themselves. Thanks for making it through to the end of the show. If you wanted to find out more about this episode, head to bumpingintocomau Don't forget the .au and find the episode page. Uh, there, there'll be some links and some more info about the guest and all of the topics and items that we spoke about. Feel free to have a look around and check out any other episodes while you're there. And if you think that someone else would enjoy what you have just listened to, please do feel free to hit the share button. Thank you again for having us in your ear space. I truly appreciate it. And I hope to catch you on the next one.